With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies' volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies' lacrosse, from business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. Sports King Show, live on Sports 106.1. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Sports King Wednesday edition, May 13th, 2020. Hello, Tina Hurley, Conway, South Carolina. Hello on Facebook Live. Hello, Sports 106.1. We thank the legend, you know, on Big Al, Sports Phone 8 to 10 Live with Ben Maitland. Really good show today. And, of course, we follow him. And following us, it's the jungle, Los Angeles, California. The site Jim Rome follows us at the noon o'clock hour. We want to start our show today letting you know, coming up momentarily, Mike Neville will join us. Of course, longtime broadcaster, owner of MHN Productions. He's going to talk about sports of all sorts. And at the top of the hour, it'll be Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippon joining us from Spokane, Washington. Up early this morning, of course, He's not getting up for me as much as playing that golf that he loves so much. And boy, does he play golf. Of course, he's won two of the American Century uh, Pro-Am type uh, celebration tournaments they have out in Lake Tahoe. And he keeps telling me he's going to invite me to Lake Tahoe so I can see all this. I want to get out there. I haven't been, but uh, absolutely magnificent. He's won two tournaments out there. He won the very first one that was ever played. And then he won the 25th edition. So just an amazing run in terms of Mark Rippon. So uh, it bothers me because he wants me to get out on the course with him, but I've got to leave my wallet in the car because if not, I'll become much lighter in the wallet because he's a talented, talented um, golfer. And you have to understand most of those uh, quarterbacks, their coordination, unbelievable. They're really, really good. Steph Curry, one of the great shooters in NBA history. Of course, Golden State, an excellent golfer. There's so many of those guys that you find that are – in those positions with the ball in their hands all the time, their hand-eye coordination translates so well to golf, and they do such an amazing job when they get out on the golf course. Well, yesterday there were some things happening in the Major League Baseball front we want to get to right away. Uh, you know, of course, they're talking about you know their profit-sharing situation, and the ugliness started before negotiations between the MLB and the players even began on Tuesday afternoon. You had Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. He was going off on the players, much like I did yesterday, but I went on both sides. I gave both sides grief for opposing MLB's revenue-sharing plan, saying they owe it to the fans to take a pay cut. Where have you heard that before? 
and play ball during this horrific economic crisis caused by the pandemic. So the situation is this. I said both sides need to give 50-50. Who cares what the share is there? What I care about is the American public that bust their tail every day, the ones that are stuck inside, the ones that have paid through the years through the nose for jerseys and hats and concessions and driven to the parks and uh, sat in the worst seats and done everything to support their team, the great American pastime. And now when we need them to step up and play the game of baseball so we can get something, a sense of normalcy, now it's going to come down to the almighty dollar, which some people say it's always been about. Uh, former all-star first baseman Mark Teixeira of the New York Yan- Yankees uh, urged players to bow down to MLB owners and accept the revenue-sharing proposal for the good of the country, never mind that he earned $213 million during his career. So that's then. He owned two, 213 That's in the bank. Don't worry about that. But now he wants the players. Now, I see where players could say it's good for him to say that. He didn't have to deal with it. But Los Angeles County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer declared that no sports will be played anytime soon, saying that with all certainty that the county stay-at-home order will be extended for three months. So we're in a situation where both sides are playing chicken, in so many words. They're basically saying, hey, who's going to blink first? Who's going to give in? And this is going to be maybe protracted. We don't know how long it's going to take. But you're looking at a situation where, Somebody's got to basically step in and say, I will give. I will give in to what uh, the American public needs. At this point, they need sports. And I want to turn our attention now to the phone lines. We're going to go out on Sports King Hotline. We've got Mike Neville joining us. Good morning, Mike. And your take on this Major League Baseball situation, a 50-50 proposition, I don't care about it. You don't care about it. We want to see sports back in some way. But the greed on both sides, is that going to trump the American public that's desperately in need of seeing something positive and something live as well as seeing some sports that's current? Yeah, welcome to uh, labor negotiations. This is what happens. Both sides dig in, and uh, you you hit the nail on the head when you say they're both playing chicken, and uh, who's going to blink first? And uh, I think, uh, you know, the revenue sharing, I think that's a pretty good proposition. I know that, you know, uh, it's not going to be quite the revenue that, uh, as in years past, but again, it, it's, I'm sure it's just a proposal for this year, but, uh, I don't see why the players are, uh, you know, do they really want to, my question is, do they really want to come back and play then if that's the case? I, uh, you have to wonder, uh, and I understand the concerns, you know, we're, we're all concerned about this virus, but, uh, like you say, we've got to get, uh, going back and, uh, people are, you know, it, going stir crazy and we need some uh, sports we need some normalcy we need folks to get back to work and uh, like i say it's a typical labor uh, but, uh battle and uh, we'll have to see what happens but i uh you know i think the players are being uh, in my opinion are being a little bit uh, over the top with uh, with their demands that they this is not uh, the revenue sharing is not quite what they they want you know but we'll see what happens well, Mike, they see baseball, the great American pastime. Of course, you see the bunting, the opening day festivities, fans in the stands, and fans that have supported the teams like uh, Cleveland and Milwaukee, small market teams that in some years are just awful. But they're always there. The fans are always there. They support their teams. Now, sometimes in lower numbers, but for the most part, fans are going to be loyal and support their favorite teams and go out and support them. So that's been the history of baseball and the history of baseball fans. But now, in a time of a pandemic, which we haven't been in this situation since 1917, the Spanish flu, we need something to hang our hat on, something that we can smile about, something the guy that's out there 
uh, putting roofs up or the guy out there pumping gas or the guy out there, you know, plumbing, whatever the job may be that gets to come home at the end of the day, have a cold one and watch a ball game and get away from it for a little bit. The fact that they're cooped in, everybody's cooped inside and can't do what we used to do. So do you feel on a personal level that both the uh, ownership and the players need to give back to America in a time that we need something to smile about? Well, they certainly do. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for them to show some good faith and, uh, you know, bring, uh, as you mentioned, smiles and uh, enjoyment back to uh, Joe Q public, you know. But, uh, again, it's, uh, you know, when dealing with uh, these kind of billionaires and millionaire ball players and so forth, it, it's going to take a while. And the other thing that you hit on, too, was, you know, Los Angeles saying they're not going to, uh, their stay-at-home order has gone into effect and it's going to be, like you know, no sports for three months. I mean, uh, you know, that's the problem. The other problem that you're going to run into is, uh, you know, there's going to be areas, New York, for example, that probably is not going to open or reopen anytime soon. Los Angeles, uh, however, you know, maybe you go with the proposal that, okay, in the cities that have not been affected, they can have their games. Now, people can say, well, that's not fair, but it's uh, you've got to do something. You, you, there's going to be concessions made by everybody, Joe Fan included, uh, in this uh, situation. So, you know, if for, like, say, the Yankees have to play in Arizona for a couple of months, I mean, I know that, you know, the, the way the Yankees have fans all over the world, you know, uh, that probably won't be that big of a deal, or the Mets, you know, for that matter. But, uh, you know, it's just it's a little give and take here. Uh, it's something's going to happen. But, uh, you know, if, if Los Angeles is digging in their heels and saying, we're not going to have any kind of sports for three months, well, you know, your NHL, your NBA is gone, if that's the case, uh, you know. And, uh, and Major League Baseball, you know, they can't start in September. You know, if they do, they'll have about a 12-game season, you know. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation on everybody. It really is. Mike, what I wouldn't give to hear John Sterling say, the Yankees win. The Yankees win. <laughs> anyway, that's my John Sterling for this morning. Anyway, uh, Mike you're, Neville joins you're, us. You're over. a whole lot of other uh, Yankee fans. Would exactly. Want to hear you that cannot story. be serious. Hey, Ben, I tried. Uh, anyway, uh, Ben being tough on me this morning. Uh, Mike Neville, our special guest, MHN Productions. He's the owner, longtime broadcaster. And, Mike, uh, turning our attention, this is a social uh, statement in terms of the article I read this morning, Jared Bell, USA Today. And he's an excellent writer, but in this, and I know they're trying to elicit responses and get readers, but he talked about the support with Tom Brady in regards to a message to white athletes on social matters. And my take on this, I don't agree. Um, he talked about in this article, it was a good thing to see Tom Brady and the current and former NFL players, plus others who signed the Players Coalition to demand a federal investigation into the death, as you saw so sadly and tragically, Ahmad Arbery, who was slain uh, by two white men in broad daylight in southeast Georgia in February. The assailants weren't arrested until last week after footage of the brutal attack police had in their possession became public. It was held for months, which I can't understand that. And Jerry Bell in this article uh, goes on to talking about the fact that Brady's wearing in uh, holding the torch, if you will, for white athletes to say, hey, this is wrong. And they're looking at Brady as being the kind of the standard bearer here. And he said, intended or not, someone like Tom Brady sends a message that resonates. White, play white players can stand up for social justice, even if it hits home. And my take is this, it shouldn't be Tom Brady. It should be everyone uh, across all leagues. And they're talking about the fact that there's a coalition task force 
Uh, Chris Long's on it. Josh McCown, former quarterback for the Eagles. Uh, Chris Long, of course, who played for the Eagles. And they're talking about uh, Steve Kerr, Stan Van Gundy, uh, Max Crosby of the Raiders, guys like that signing this. And they've got uh, a limited amount of people. And I'm sitting there saying this isn't just a – uh, something where Tom Brady says, hey, it's wrong, so maybe some other white athlete should sign. It, this is just wrong in general. Anybody that saw the film, uh, so I'm upset because more athletes just across the board, I, I mean, color be damned, I think it's a situation when you look at the tragedy that occurred and what was wrong there, let's just call it what it was. It was absolutely horrific, and why does it take Tom Brady to carry the mantle? Why shouldn't it just be something that universally is done by all athletes, just come out. Everybody condemns it because you saw what you saw. It's wrong on every level. And they're sitting there. It's almost like Tom Brady has to come up, and now uh, the other white player should fall in line behind him. And I just see that's wrong. I just think it's something that's socially wrong in terms of just feel free to come out and say it's wrong. When you see something that blatant, uh, what's your stance on this situation? Well, it's, it's the age-old uh, question or age-old problem, if you will, uh, athletes. How much do they uh, need to get involved in uh, act, uh, being activists uh, for causes and so forth? This has gone back, you know, back in the 60s with Jim Brown and Bill Russell and Cassius Clay, who, of course, later became Muhammad Ali, very outspoken uh, athletes. They took a lot of heat from uh, white uh, fans, you know, for their stances, and uh, they were applauded in the black community. And uh, but it's a problem that's been, you know, Charles Barkley saying, I'm not a role model. Uh, even in the uh, the last dance with Michael Jordan, you saw how there was a North Carolina uh, race uh, with uh, Senator Jesse Helms and his uh, the, uh, black uh, guy that was running against him. And Jordan would RV not uh, yeah. endorse yeah. either. Yeah, yeah, would not endorse either one of them. And he's taken some heat. A lot of the uh, modern athletes have taken some heat for this, but uh, uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it, you know, this really is not an uh, an activist situation, in my opinion. It's a situation that if you, you know, if you have two brains, you realize this was an, a horrendous and horrific uh, situation. And uh, whether you're an athlete or just average Joe. Uh, you should be appalled at uh, what happened, and uh, if you if you're not, then there's something wrong with you. And of course, we do have a problem in America with uh, divisiveness and so forth. But again, this is an age-old problem. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it's Tom Brady, to be honest with you, because you don't think of him being involved in any kind of uh, activist movement. But uh, I applaud him. But uh, like you say, it just shouldn't be a a handful of people, uh, white guy, people or black or whatever. It should be our, the entire nation should be appalled and, uh, yes. at this and uh, should come together. You're exactly right. And that's how I felt about that. It's just something where, uh, you know, it shouldn't be up to one guy to kind of carry the mantle. Other people should just come out immediately and not be reserved in doing so. Good point, Mike. Um, when you look at what's going on uh, in sports right now, the fact that there's lack of sports, and now you hear NASCAR coming back this weekend, Darlington, you're looking at that. How excited are you? You're a longtime NASCAR follower. You've covered the sport for years. Uh, your take on what's going to happen this weekend minus uh, fans in the stands. Well, it's something to watch. I mean, that's something we all are craving is something to watch sports-wise, and uh, I think it's, uh, NASCAR will probably get the highest ratings they've had in 30 years, you know, because they're going to be the only show in town. And uh, so I think it's great. I applaud NASCAR. Uh, there has been a rumor that, uh, you know, if, if you're on pit row as a member of a crew and you don't have a mask on, you're going to get fined $50,000 now. 
for those guys, that's that's a hefty chunk of change. And uh, whether NASCAR goes through with that uh, threat or not is another thing. But I I think it's great. I think it's uh, you know I think it's going to be uh, like say an opportunity for folks to kind of sit back and enjoy uh, enjoy the race. And uh, hopefully we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel as far as uh, getting sports back on track. But uh, you know that's a different sport because obviously. You'd love to see fans in the stands, but uh, and fans do make uh, sports go. But uh, you know, uh, my my wonder about uh, this is, uh, you know, there's no contact. I mean, you do have, you know, the cars crashing and so forth. But as far as individual contact, like you would in football, uh, that's where my concern is. Football, I don't know how that's going to be uh, carried out because you are, you know, it's uh, you're you're blocking, you're tackling, you're you know, and so forth, and you you know. You know, if somebody's got the virus and doesn't know it and they're playing, I mean, that that opens up another, uh, you know, different box. But uh, I applaud NASCAR. I think it's a great uh, opportunity for them to showcase their sport. And uh, like I said, I would not be surprised if the ratings weren't through the roof. Woo-hoo! Those uh, pits get awful hot down there. I know having those masks is going to be tough, but we're excited to have uh, NASCAR back this weekend. It's going to be 90-some degrees, as Ben Maitland just said. So, Having a mask on down there with those hot engines is going to be tough, but uh, hopefully everybody comes out of it okay and uh, nothing spreads and we move forward. I want to let you know, Mike, um, the word out of the ESPN land is that uh, Joe Testator and Booger McFarlane are expected to be bounced out of the Monday night booth. Your take on this situation, they're talking about some guys that might be replacement Steve Levy. I like Steve Levy. I like Joe Tessitore. I think he did a really good job. Booger, um, you know, I just don't think the way they placed him in the stands, that just didn't go for me. But, you know, he offered some good insight. But somehow that team didn't work the way they wanted it to. So now here's some names I'm going to throw at you. Steve Levy's a guy that's been mentioned. He's very uh, good quality reporter and announcer. Chris Fowler, another guy I really like. I think he does a good job. Dave Pash. Of course, known for working with Bill Walton. He's done some great things. Of those guys there, is there anybody stands out to you or somebody else off the grid maybe you think should take the Monday night mantle? Well, I'm a little disappointed you didn't put my name at the top of the list. Well, you were actually you were fi- <laughs> you were, you were fifth behind uh, Dave Pash. Yeah. I'm more like 998 on the list, uh, to be honest with you. But uh, So you're no, saying I, there's still I, a chance. I, what's that? <laughs> so you're saying yeah, there's still a chance. <laughs> Uh, out of those, I guess, uh, you know, I like Pash. I like Fowler. I, I'm not really familiar with Steve Levy on the play-by-play side of things. but uh, And I, I was like, you know, I, Joe T., Joe Testatore, he took a lot of a lot of heat. And I thought he was – now he did go a little over the top. But uh, I like excitement. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Gus Johnson with uh, Fox, I mean, the people love his style and uh, and so forth. So, uh, you know, I kind of – you know, the Booker, I, I wasn't, a, you know, a big fan of what they were trying to do with that, you know. But uh, uh, I, I think uh, – uh, Dan Schulman would be another uh, excellent right. opportunity for him because yes. I like his uh, style. But uh, yeah, I would like to say Levy. I'm not familiar with, but Pash and uh, uh, the other uh, person uh, Fowler would be a, I think, would be good selections. And there was talk about maybe Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit uh, moving from college to pro. Herbstreit says he wants to do both, if that's the case. But uh, I think those guys are really made for college. But uh, let's say I. I uh, you know, when you get in the pressure cooker of, uh, you know, the uh, the only show on, on Monday night, uh, sports-wise, uh, Monday Night Football, and it's been such a staple, and they've been trying for years to try to figure out, you know, and, of course, they were trying to trade for Al Michaels, and that fell through. So, uh, right. we should see which way they go. Special guest Mike Neville, early on, uh, uh, we've got Mark Rippon, Super Bowl MVP, coming up uh, towards the top of the hour. 
And, of course, you talk about uh, Mike Neville, his opportunity at the Monday night booth. We're still waiting for that call, as he <laughs> is as well. Uh, the color commentary, folks, Peyton yeah, Manning's been banning. Yeah, exactly. Peyton Manning's been banning about Randy Moss, Mina Kimes, Dan Orlowski, Lewis Riddick. I love Lewis Riddick. I think one of the smartest guys in all uh, football in terms of personality. does a great job. Uh, Kurt Warner, also possible. Uh, they've talked about Chris Berman. I don't see him coming out of retirement. Pat McAfee, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, I didn't like watching Jay Cutler as a player or his body language. I certainly don't want to tune in and watch him and his attitude on Monday night. I want to see somebody in there with some positivity. And, of course, Nate Burleson. Of that group, uh, any name jump out to you in terms of a color commentary well, for Monday Night Football? The guy they are coveting and, and wanting desperately is Peyton Manning. I mean, yeah, I think he would be an excellent uh uh, analyst, uh, he's so smart when it comes to X's and O's and so forth. I think he would be a, would be a great analyst. I mean, I think we'd, he'd have to be at the top of the list. I like Nate Burleson also. I, mean, I think he's very good. Uh, but again, one thing, uh, you, you, what, are you, what are you looking for from an analyst? Well, you, you know, t- to me, Tony Romo is very good, but he talks too much. Uh, he's got to describe everything, and uh, he has to realize he's on TV and they can see it. But I like uh, Tony Romo, but, uh, of course, he, he does too because he just signed uh, for $17.5 million a season. So uh, <laughs> CBS isn't letting him go. But I like to say, yeah, man, I don't uh, get the $17 million. I don't get $17 million for Tony Romo. I mean, I, I didn't like him as a player. I mean, I have to put up with him, right. former Cowboys. So you have to listen to him. But, I mean, Jim Nance, I could listen to him read the phone book. I mean, he's that good. But Romo, he's getting better, obviously. And But $17 million? Are you kidding me? I don't I don't. Yeah. Get it. But yeah. that's Yeah, uh, but like I say, Man- Manning and Burleson would be the two. But, again, when you th- think of those people and think of the ones you've mentioned, um, and I do like Lewis Riddick, by the way, and I, I think Riddick might be the key because – out of the ones that you talked about, and maybe even Orlowski, I don't mind him, but I think Riddick would be the one, because what a lot of people who watch games that I hear, they say they, these guys, they, they coddle these former athletes when they're talking about you know former players or people that they know. They don't hammer them as far as a mistake that's made. Now, you don't have to you know hammer them to the point you know into submission, but you know they like to have, oh, well, he, you know, that defensive back made a, he made a bad read on that or bad angle you don't hear that a lot of times they're just basically describing the play and i think that's all people want is a uh, color analyst that will uh, be entertaining but also won't be afraid to criticize the players when they make a mistake yeah it's hard though if you're you've never faced down a blitz a corner blitz you get hit in the back or hit in the ribs and you're going to sit there and basically say you know he should have he should have done if you haven't done it before so that's right, one thing Romo right. brings brings to the table. Uh, back to Booger McFarland. It's hard to uh, call a middle aged man Booger. I just I don't know. It's just me, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Anyway, Mike. Uh, before we go to break, uh, if you hang on with us, we'll bring you back right after the break. Just talk for a few more minutes about what's going to happen with the sports world and how we're going to reopen. Your thoughts on that and much much more. Don't touch a dial. We'll be right back. Mike Neville on the Sports King on Sports One Zero Six One. Hi, this is Mike Singletary, former Chicago Bear. Hall of Famer, you listen to my friend Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit CMA's ColonialHonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. 
Want to reach the Sports King? Call 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. Learn it. Know it. Live it. And welcome back, everyone. Sports King on this Wednesday morning. It's 1031. We rejoin our conversation with Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster. When I say longtime, folks, he goes way back, way back. I'm not going to go how far back, but, you know, you follow this. Anyway, Mike Neville, longtime broadcaster, owner of MHN Productions. We continue our conversation with him about the reopening of the sports world. Mike, as they say right now, of course, uh, the world as we know it, 82,000 deaths and counting. Uh, as our leadership says, one death is one too many, and this has been horrific on every level. And you think on a deeper level about all those folks with their family members and relatives, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, mothers, fathers, all the folks that have passed away from something we never saw coming. And then uh, it's just crippled us as a nation. And, of course, trying to get jobs back. And we pray for our sponsors and all the businesses out there that, and all the people that need the job so desperately. So we're really, really hoping and praying something is found as soon as possible. A new coronavirus model predicting 147 deaths in the United States by August. We hope that's way off. We hope that's wrong. And they've got governors who've issued stringent, no-nonsense restrictions in some states, not so stringent in others. So we don't know what to believe here in so many ways, Mike. I don't know if it's political so much on the Democrat and the Republican side in terms of the, the certain uh, governor opening this state. This one won't open this state. But my question to you is, with all the sports trying to open up and having competitive balance, which is one thing I keep talking about on the show here, how can the Lakers open up this week practicing and working if they were, and the Celtics can't because maybe their governor says no? I mean, how can you do it in a situation where it's kind of skewed to one side versus another? Don't you feel it has to be all or nothing? Well, yeah, it has to. There's, that's where your competitive balance comes in, Jamie. I mean, like you said, uh, it's got to be. You have to open up all the same time. You can't give somebody, uh, especially somebody like the Lakers, who of course are, uh, you know, when the league ended or stopped play, they were, you know, near the top, if not at the top of the Western Conference, and of course many favor them to to win the title. So uh, you know they shouldn't get preferential treatment over, say, uh, the Utah Jazz or the Boston Celtics or the, the New York Knicks or the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I mean, uh, it could, just because those areas are hit more severe than others. Uh, and, uh, again, kind of a you know, two-edged sword or kind of a talking out of both sides of their mouth because, remember, you had a statement from uh, someone who said there would not be sports or in three months in, uh, in Los Angeles, and here the Lakers are, you know, uh, being able to practice at the facility. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what you get in this situation when it gets politicized and so forth. But, yeah, if you want competitive balance, and Mike Tomlin said this with the Steelers, you know, all these facilities have to open at the same time. Mike, uh, Christine Brennan, the writer for the USA Today does a great job. She said in an article today that the Major League Baseball could start by the 4th of July. Man, would that be something to look forward to, to have a hot dog or hamburger and be able to watch your favorite team play, even without fans. And uh, she talked about college football late August, maybe, the NFL just after Labor Day. And it could be true, but she's asking in this article, what if the sports leaders are being too optimistic? What if their exuberance is misleading? What if in trying to lift our morale and theirs are actually doing the nation a disservice, delivering a false sense of security, making us think things are fine, but they're most definitely not. So that's her take on it. 
So it's kind of a situation. You got the side that says, let's go back. Let's do our best. Let's be safe. Let's do social distancing. Let's go to games. And then you've got another side that says, hey, man, you open this thing up and it spreads. And, hey, I told you not to do that. So where do you fall in on this, Mike? I mean, it's something unseen, undone before. We've never faced this before. Don't we have to try without fans like NASCAR is this week in all sports to see how we can adapt to this? Yeah, that's that. That's exactly right. You can't live in fear, uh, you know. And I know, uh, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of people that are. And uh, but uh, you know, and I understand the risk. You know, you open up, and what if uh, someone gets the virus, and then you've affected uh, 200 more or whatever? But uh, you know, a lot of people. The other thing too is there's a lot of people who have survived this uh, virus. Uh, a lot of people think as soon as you get it, uh, you know, it's over. But uh, that's not necessarily the case. I'm not a scientist or a doctor by any means but uh like i say we are seeing obviously lots of cases too where people are surviving so uh, i think you know with the economy and with the unemployment rate going up and of course uh people's suicide rates are going up and uh so forth it's it's uh it's a it's a no-win situation whatever do whatever you decide and uh you know uh, i'm on the side of let's uh, try to get it uh or at least to reopen and let's have sports with you no fans that's fine you know uh then you get to the point, well, okay, you got no fans, but what kind of home field advantage do you have? Well, do you want to play or don't you? You know, do you want to watch or don't you? I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, or you could have fans. You have a 50,000-seat stadium, you have 20,000 show up, and they just right. separate them and so forth and in different sections. So, I mean, it, it, but it's a very different – it's a no-win situation for either side, trust me. Well, folks have been asking me, what do I miss most? And I'm going to ask you the same thing. What I've missed most is just – seeing the fans and so many people are like, well, you know, you miss the sport. Yeah. You miss the sport, but the fans make the game, the, the excitement of the fans. And I understand players when they say they don't want to play in front of fans, but they may be forced to, they may have to, we understand that. But the fans, as I said, in baseball, I mean, they make the sport. They're there year in, year out, despite the record, they're always there. So I'm certainly hopeful as I miss more than anything, just seeing the joy of sports and that outlet that we all have. What do you miss the most about uh, what's going on over these many days and weeks without sports? What have you missed the most? Well, just especially now playoff, you know, be playoffs in the NBA, be playoffs in the NHL, just the uh, competitiveness and uh, the uh, the way these athletes uh, show off their skills uh, is, is what you probably the one thing I won't miss the most and you know uh the close games and close matches and so forth and uh, and you're mentioning uh you know baseball playing with no fans of course you remember uh, when this uh they're talking about trying to get baseball back on track uh, they're talking about maybe the players sitting in the stands that are in the dugout sitting in the stands you know and it's just that would be a weird uh scenario as well you know and uh, playing with no fans especially when you talk about uh basketball and even baseball and hockey I mean you hear everything so I mean it, it uh, right. It would just be a weird situation. But again, the flip side of that is at least we'd have sports that we could watch something different instead of seeing the 1998 uh, finals in the NBA or whatever the case may be. You're going to hear more trash talking than you've ever heard before. Uh, you know, of course, uh, back in the Bulls day with Jordan, we could have heard all of the things he said to his opponents. That would have been kind of fun. Now with uh, the different sports with uh, NASCAR, maybe they're going to be able to be heard more down in the pits. We'll be able to hear more at the baseball level with guys talking smack to each other. And uh, maybe that's a different aspect that uh, we'll see that we've never seen because 
I'm telling you, having heard the football stuff down there at field level, you'll hear so much trash talking <laughs> that you never hear on the air because there's so much going on. Some of the back and forth is pretty amazing. Mike, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll have you back on again. We really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, once again, you guys be st- be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this morning on Sports King. All right, Sports King. You and Ben be safe, and God bless you. Thank you, buddy. Mike Neville. Our uh, good friend of the show, and uh, we appreciate him joining us this morning. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's going to be Hall of, well, I think a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word, Mark Rippon, of course, Super Bowl MVP, a guy that uh, gave up his number 11 jersey to Alex Smith. We're going to talk about that much, much more. The Redskins, what he thinks about the draft picks, where the Redskins are going, and how he's handling the current uh, coronavirus situation, all that and more as, a, as the Sports King show continues on this Wednesday morning. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi, sports fans. This is former Washington Redskins quarterback and Super Bowl 26 MVP, Mark Griffin. You are listening to my favorite sports show, The Sports King, hosted by my great friend, Jamie King, on Sports 106.1. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, GM at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid because we are doing everything we can to keep our dealership clean and offering delivery services to minimize exposure. We've also opened a helpline for assistance of any kind, including grocery or medication pickup. Please call our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Visit cmascolonialhonda.com to learn more. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was. And he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 106.1. Welcome back, everybody. Wednesday edition of the Sports King Show. Coming up momentarily, Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippon, Super Bowl 26. I was there for that one, folks. Metrodome. Loved it. Minneapolis. Didn't love that. Folks, I've gone on record telling you about my Super Bowl experience. It was cold. And I'm not just talking cold. When I got into my rental car, the inside dash was frozen over. I never seen anything like that. I had to scrape the inside of my rental car dash to see the numbers. And of course, everybody with the face mask in Minnesota, this shouldn't be so hard for them to adjust to because they wear face masks a lot there because of the cold. So it's a situation where the cold and the ice sculptures, I mean, it's beautiful. They had a Super Bowl Saturday night, got to meet some celebrities. That was so fun. And it was a great game, as we know. Of course, Redskins win that one. But the atmosphere, you always think when you go to a Super Bowl that you want to experience everything there. And you see all the Super Bowls, and some of them have the sun and the fun and all that. And I was like, my one Super Bowl I'm going to start with here 
is in Minnesota, and I would not miss it for the world. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy myself. I had a great time. But trust me, a Minnesota fun and a Florida fun, as you well know, there's a vast difference. But we did a lot inside. They had a lot of the uh, skywalks, of course, people in Minnesota do a lot of skywalks because of the temperatures. I saw ice fishing. I saw things I'd never seen before, but all in all, a very exciting experience. And one of those things where uh, you just look at and say, man, they did so much to make it so nice. And I'll never forget all the ice sculptures, guys doing it with chainsaws. It was just amazing to see some of the things there. I hung out the Super Bowl week. I got to spend some time with, I don't know if you remember, the late, great Ken Beatrice, 432 WMAL, uh, one of the great broadcasters in the D.C. metro area, did an amazing job for so many years for the Redskins and the coverage in his sports call show. He was an amazing broadcaster. Spent a lot of time with him that week. Got to meet Jerry Glanville, Terry Bradshaw, uh, got to hang out with a lot of those guys and have a lot of fun. Um, it, it's so fun to see those guys in a different setting away from the rigors of the NFL season when they get to let their hair down and uh, one of those situations where it was just so much fun. And uh, it's a great experience. If you've never been to a Super Bowl, you need to go to a Super Bowl. It's one of those things that you'll never forget. And when you have somebody that you care about as much as I did in terms of Mark, and see what he did and how hard he worked to get in that position. It was just amazing. So without further ado, we turn our attention to the great Northwest. He is Mark Robert Rippin, number one in your heart, number 11 in your program. He joins us from a golf course near you in Spokane. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Good, Jamie. Yeah, just getting ready to tee it up on an overcast 60-degree day here in Spokane. Awesome. Awesome. How, how are you doing? How are friend? you in the How are you and the family doing amid the uh, coronavirus? What have you been doing to uh stay safe and uh what's your take on things? Much like uh, everyone staying hunkered down. I did uh get away about uh 3 weeks ago to Arizona, played some golf for about a week there and and uh you know, I I got to get my fix in. I can't uh can't stay still this long, you know, and I think that um most people are getting a little bit cabin fever or stir crazy and want to get out and, and start uh, living life, you know. Um, so I think that's uh, looking forward to uh, the weeks ahead and hopefully our governor here in the great state of Washington will uh, start opening up phase two and let people do the things they um, love, you know, love to do. So, Hey, Mark, uh, I know you love to golf. That's one of your greatest passions, and you're great at it. Of course, you won two American Century Championships, the first one, the 25th, and all the great times you spend golfing. I think that golf bag stays right by your front door so you can grab it and go. Do you do a lot of other things hobby-wise? I mean, uh, we've never talked about this in terms of, like, uh, you like woodworking, uh, you like anything like Harry Homeowner around the house. Uh, is there any uh, those other things you really enjoy as much? I'm sure now with this situation, you've had to probably go through the house and look at different things uh, to find to do, but are there other things outside of golfing that you really enjoy? Well, I uh, did, did put a... Uh uh, a new door handle on our front door, so that was there you uh, go. A, there you go. That was an excursion. That was an excursion in itself. No, I'm not a I'm, I'm not a knitter or crochet or anything like that. <laughs> I do like playing board games and uh, keeping busy there. But you know, for the most part, um, golf is my uh, you know release of 
of any tension and the love I have for it. Obviously, the older I get, the the worse I'm playing. But you know, it's uh, it's a lifelong sport, and and I enjoy every bit of it. And having two brothers that are good players and in their own rights, and uh, having the Pacific Northwest here, we're doing things outdoors. Whether you're a fisherman, you know, a boater, a hunter, or a golfer, uh, there's plenty of things for um, you know our men and women here to do, and it's just an enjoyable place to uh, raise a family and and uh, have some fun. We just need to we just need our state to open, like a lot of other states, so people can get out. You know, especially on the eastern side. I get I get on uh, Seattle. You know, they got a lot bigger population, but you know, we're only 500,000 in our Spokane County, and and uh, we've kind of got things under control over here. So I hope hoping our governor will release a little bit um, the next week or two, phase two. Let's go back to that week of Super Bowl 26. I, one of the great times of my life, uh, seeing you and that, that incredible run you had leading up to that. But when you go back to that week, does it seem like it went in the blink of an eye, or do you remember pretty much every aspect of that leading up to the game and your outstanding performance and, of course, winning it all and being the MVP? Does it seem like almost at times like a dream? Because uh, did it go fast, or in your mind did it go slow? Were you able to enjoy every single aspect of it? Not one bit. Uh, Corporate America enjoys the Super Bowl. The players themselves, the coaching staff, and um, you know, basically got a – hunker down much much like COVID-19 where you're staying in your hotel room, you're waking up and you're heading out to um, uh, practice and put on a good show on, on, on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, you know, it is, it is very much um, kind of a scripted thing for players that are playing in Super Bowls where they don't get to enjoy it as much as the, uh, the fan does. And of course we had such a great fan base and still do have such a great fan base in the Washington DC area. And uh, to have their support that week and to have their voice heard and help us through, uh, you know, playing against a pretty good football team, you know, uh, Jim Kelly and the Buffalo Bills had such a great run. So it was uh, it was awesome. But it was over with in a blink of an eye. You know, you get there, you practice, you, you look at the pictures now and the memories you have of the guys that you played with. And, and uh, you know, it's really surreal almost to think it, it's almost 30 years uh, at this the last time that we uh, that we put a uniform on and represented the Redskins in a Super Bowl. When you look back at that situation and and how great you played and that year was so magical, uh, you have to remember. I mean, in the history of football, there have only been so many MVPs, and the fact that for all time you're one of those players, one of the greats ever in the biggest game ever. What do you? In looking at that, what means the most about being the MVP of that game? Well, it's, it's, it's a title, and you have to play well as a, uh, especially at my at, at my position, uh, quarterback. But it really entails a, a group of, for me, ten guys each and every play uh, having a goal in mind, and and then and the other side of the football also the special teams. But um, you know, I, I I look at it as just a title, uh, and you know, again. I uh, had to play at a high level to achieve that, so that was uh, great. But there are guys that did so much. I mean, I think I was sacked seven times that year, and uh, our offensive line and our ability to to read blitz coverage and, and throw hot routes and get rid of the football and not take a sack and, and run the football over the keys to our success. So um, it was just a special, special year from week one 
uh, all the way through to, you know, uh, January 26, 1992, Jamie. Yes, sir, I know. Redskins world champion Super Bowl 26. And by the way, I I take nothing away. I take nothing away from our other Super Bowl teams. Great, great teams. Doug Williams, how he played in that Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos was phenomenal. And Joe Theismann uh, the previous year with Rigo and, and crew and the defense that they had and the things that they did were unbelievable. But um, that was a six, full 16-game season for us, the only 16-game season the Redskins have won. Um, or the, the only Super Bowl in a 16-game season the Redskins have won was the 91-92 season. The others were, unfortunately, work stoppages, which – uh, turned out to be we, we we were pretty good during those work stoppage years and and uh, kudos to our guys to um, stay vigilant in what they were doing and stay on task and uh, the time especially the 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 team that I was on in eighty seven eighty eight uh, where had replacement players that came in it was difficult times for all of us we didn't know if we were ever going to have a job again and uh, to come back and win and and win win the way we did was uh, pretty pretty cool. Final few moments of Super Bowl MVP, Mark Rippon, uh, Super Bowl MVP of Super Bowl 26. Mark, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. I've gone on record. You got Dwayne Haskins Jr., uh, basically a rookie. He played a little bit last year, obviously. You got Kyle Allen coming in here. Do the Redskins go off the grid and bring in Cam Newton, a veteran presence? I've been talking about a veteran in here. I think we're so spoiled with you and, and Joe Theismann and Doug Williams, the greatness that you had at the position that after 30 years, we're tired of waiting. But do you think you stick with this kid and, and wait it out? Uh, do you go for a veteran? What's your take on the current status here? Good God, Jamie. Those are all great questions. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't have any answers to them. That's uh, what Coach Rivera um, will have to sit down and, and look at. And I think what they did in the draft was uh, pretty awesome to get a local kid that played his high school football in, in the Washington, D.C. area to come back and now play his uh, professional career and Chase Young. Uh, I mean, just to get him and, and, and the guys we have on the defensive side of the football to upgrade our, uh, you know, receiving core, uh, which is, I think, going to be pretty good, pretty good. You know, when you look at guys that uh, were, you know, about four or five or six guys now that are under four four forties, we can put some vertical stretch on the field. Uh, filled in some holes, the offensive line, not that uh, I think the guys we have there, um, you know, have, have done an amazing job, especially, you know, under a lot of duress and a lot of injuries over the years. If we can stay healthy, you're only as good as the guys up front, Jamie, and if we can stay healthy, uh, I think we're going to you know, have a lot of success. And, and Coach Rivera and, and uh, uh, the whole organization, uh, Mr. Schneider himself, and uh, I think we're looking forward to a, a great year. And um It'll be interesting because uh, this is the new norm now, and each team is uh, a bit handcuffed. And it's uh, who's going to take this and, and run with it. But I think Dwayne, the uh, things he can do and showed he can do uh, at the end of last season, um, you know, great, great abilities. Um, I think the uh, having a year under his belt, the leadership that he has, uh, you know, during that year will help him throughout this year. And and uh, so you know, to the the question you asked about bringing in a veteran quarterback, I I don't know. That's uh, that's something I think we'll they'll look at. I think Ron's seen enough on film, Coach Rivera's seen enough on film that uh, they might not need to go that route. You know, um, everyone okay. looks at everyone looks like uh, you got to go. No, I say I got I got uh, rapid fire here. I got less than two minutes, so I got to get them in quick because uh, I know you got to hit the links real quick. Uh, 
57, sure. do you still have a drive left in you, a 10-day contract? Come in if we need you down in the fourth quarter. Can you do it? The answer to that question is no, absolutely not. <laughs> you still got one know. deep one in you, don't you? I have, No, I don't have another deep one in me either. <laughs> At least if I could stand flat-footed from a shotgun and throw a deep one, that would be okay. I might be able to get one out on, on uh, quick quick notice, about 30, 35 yards on I still got the. I still throw it in the backyard a little bit with the the brothers and and the okay. daughter and uh, you know so and, and and the granddaughter and um, you know so it's kind of fun. I got a little grandson too that uh, has got some amazing amazing ability. I'm going to send a put a. Uh, he's two years old. I'm going to put a uh, something on the Facebook um, on him and his form throwing a baseball. It it's nothing like you've All ever right. seen. I mean, yeah, it's there pretty cool. So. Yeah, but I think go. we got a chance. There. I think you got a chance this year, Jamie. So hang in there, bud. You know, all the okay. naysayers out there, Redskin fans, uh, hang in there, guys. We need you. We need you cheering, yelling, and screaming. Thirty seconds, real quick. Do you uh, have a quick message for the fans in terms of what we're dealing with? Uh, message of hope for them. Well, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, kind of uh, ease into this. Uh, there's no 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 reason uh, people shouldn't get out of their houses. Are they quarantined and? ourselves at our houses is, is a big problem my my in my opinion i think uh, but i'm stir crazy and, and a little adhd um but people need to get out and, and and walk and get some exercise and feel good about themselves because uh you know this thing's just hopefully is, is just going to be something that we look back on and is uh, a real difficult difficult time in in uh, the u.s and across the world but um as uh, you know uh citizens of the u.s and as we all are I think we can uh, we can make this make this right, buddy. You be safe. We love you. We care about you. We think of you. And thank you for all you do for us and for coming on the show. And hey, if I can, I'll call Ritzkin Park. You got that one ten day contract still a possibility. So keep no, that in mind. No, no, don't don't call anything <laughs> for any contract. Talk to you later. Have a great day, Mark Rippin. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Kurt Gouveia, number 54, Washington Redskins. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro... Is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back. Our special thanks to great friend Mark Rippon, Spokane, Washington, three hours behind, heading to the golf course. And he is not giving up golf. He has to get out and golf, and he's playing golf today. And he says, a little overcast in Spokane, but nonetheless, Mark Rippon heading to the course. We thank him for joining us at uh, almost the top of the hour, heading in hour two, Mike Neville, our one guest. We thank Mike for joining us with his thoughts on the sports world. And we welcome all of you on Facebook Live as well as uh, Sports 1061 
and we thank you so much for joining us each and every day. Don't forget, uh, the Big Al Show Sports Phone starts every morning, 8 to 10, kicks us off live from 8 to 10. I follow Big Al, of course, 10 to noon o'clock hour here on the Sports King Show. Immediately follow that, the jungle and Jim Rome in Los Angeles. Don't want to miss that. So here's something that uh, came across that I wanted to go over with you in terms of Adam Silver and the NBA. They had a conference call yesterday, and the participants on the Board of Governors call yesterday with the commissioner left the meeting feeling increasingly positive about the league's momentum towards a resumption of play this season. So they're talking about getting back on the NBA level and playing this season. We know Charles Barkley said no, not that that matters. Shaquille O'Neal said no, not that that matters. But Shaquille O'Neal said basically it could be so disjointed that a team that nobody expects to win in a shortened season could come up and win it all, i.e. the Wizards or maybe the Cavaliers or somebody that's just not expected to could jump up. I don't expect it. I still think even if players aren't fully ready and not totally in midseason form, that the cream is going to rise to the top. The Lakers, the usual suspects, the Bucks. I think the Bucks will do well. The Lakers will do well. I think one of those top teams should uh, jump to the head of the class again. But here's the rub for me and maybe for you. Uh, big question on all the sports channels today. Who should have the final say? Should it be the owners of the players? Well, it may not be either. It could be the governing body there, that governor or somebody in a state official or somebody with the CDC, somebody giving them the green light. But I'll continue to go on record here on the Sports King show that I say one size must fit all. You can't possibly come back in dribs and drabs. You can't give the Lakers a three-week head start while the Milwaukee Bucks start three weeks back. Or you can't allow the Charlotte Hornets to uh, start up maybe two or three weeks behind another. It just can't happen because from a competitive balance, the players are not going to get the same conditioning and workout at home as they are on a court with their teammates and their coaching staff. So they say owners and executives on the call were encouraged about the league's progress towards minimizing health risks upon a return to the league itself. But uh, the National Basketball Players Association is going to have to desire uh, about the terms of what is going to be the best for the players. When are they going to start? When should they start? Discussions on the call centered around health safety concerns, including the goal of getting team officials and players comfortable with the idea of that a test that's positive for coronavirus could uh, hopefully not shutter play, but it definitely would. Silver told those on the call that if a positive test would shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path. So here's the deal. You're saying, in essence, with a league starting back up again, if you start up and one guy or two guys or somebody on the staff gets positive, you're going to have to shut that team down. I'll tell you what, that's very precarious in terms of whether or not it'll be able to survive because what are the odds that one person might touch the wrong thing in the wrong place? I'll give you an example. Let's say an assistant coach uh, goes by a hamburger place and touches a counter or does something and then brings it back to the huddle, even though they were cleared the day before. And of course they're going to get their temperature taken and all that, but he's in a huddle in near other players then the other thing is, do they have huddles in the usual form that we're used to? 
or do players have to socially distance? And then how are you going to get the message to them? Because, of course, coaches have to cover their mouths. They have to cover their mouth with a clipboard. And if you're not that close to your coach sitting in a huddle, how are you going to really hear them? And, of course, social distance at the same time. Now, how are you going to social distance in a huddle, but yet you have to man up on a guy? And face-to-face, rubbing against guys, moving off picks, moving off screens. So once again, you know, the format uh, they're talking about to the NBA would take 30 NBA teams. The league hasn't worked through the details on whether 30 teams would return or whether regular season games would be played or if perhaps there would be a play-in tournament to give more teams a chance to make the 16-team playoff field. Now this would tick me off. If I'm the Lake Show or if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, and I have to have a tournament now to get into the playoff field. Let's say Giannis played terrible or LeBron played terrible, just just for argument's sake, and they didn't make the 16-team playoff field, yet they were leading the league in wins in both divisions when they were you know, cut short. I can see where people would be pretty upset. So I understand, and Shaquille O'Neal said, what happens if a low-tier team all of a sudden got hot and went up and beat some of the top teams and then ended up in a championship or semifinal-type situation? So I see that argument, and I understand where people are coming from, and I know fans would go crazy if their team was bumped by somebody that just got hot that wasn't in a position to do uh, what they needed. So... Uh, you have to wonder the NBA situation there. It looks very precarious in terms of whether they'll come back or not. What's your take? Give us a call. 804-327-0888 is number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Conversely, when you look at the PGA Tour, they sent out a memo outlining safety protocols for upcoming tournaments. The PGA Tour is scheduled to resume activities next month in Texas. A lengthy memo was sent to players outlining the various procedures that will be put in place, highlighted by a testing approach that will include coronavirus testing as well as daily thermal screens. A copy of the memo was obtained by ESPN. The PGA Tour has a news conference scheduled for this afternoon to outline the detailed plan a little bit further. So the Charles Schwab Challenge in Colonial in Fort Worth, Texas, is the first of four events on the schedule that are planned to be played without spectators. Once again, we can enjoy the beauty of golf, and you'll hear a lot more by watching golfing without fans. It's going to be very unique. Of course, players, caddies, and various tournament officials, employees will be required to fill out health questionnaires that will be sent as pre-travel screening tests. They will also be required to take nasal swab saliva test upon arrival, likely at a designated hotel, followed by daily questionnaires and screenings. The idea behind the health and safety plan is to create a bubble in which these tournaments will operate with the hope that they will isolate from the general public as much as possible. That's great in theory. So here's my question. Let's say that these players are in a Hotel X and they're in a bubbled environment. Let's say that a maid comes in and touches the wrong thing one day and maybe she's at home and uh, has a husband that works somewhere and maybe UPS or maybe one of the delivery services and he has a package and he touches it and then she touches it and then she goes in the next day and maybe touches something in that hotel. I'm just saying these are scenarios where you wonder how you're going to isolate the outside people coming in to the hotels to protect. I mean, only You can only do so much. So I guess even the healthcare workers 
uh, and the people in the hotels are going to have to come in, get tested, get screened, make sure they're constantly washing their hands because anything from the food aspects all the way through to the people that are uh, changing the sheets and replacing towels, things like that, are going to have to be protected to make sure that every single aspect, and then tell you what, it is a logistic nightmare, but the PGA Tour thinks they have an opportunity to do so. We certainly hope that it will work. But you have to understand, before you even agree to play, you're going to have to take the nasal swab, saliva test, and do it all at the hotel before you're allowed admittance. And if you show up the next day and have a temperature, I imagine that you're going to be scratched from the tournament and sent home. So that's the situation they're going to look at in terms of quarantining somebody that has a fever spike or something like this. According to the memo, For the PGA, the nasal swab testing for COVID-19 will take 24 to 48 hours to get results, with players allowed to practice and play on-site while waiting for results. The timing could vary from tournament to tournament, and the tour said it hopes at some point to have test results within hours. So uh, it's something that folks are excited about, hopefully returning in terms of this Texas event, but that's what they're doing there. In NASCAR this weekend, it's going to look different than it's ever looked before. You're going to have a very naked situation in terms of the fans. It's going to be fan-free. So you're going to have to look out there, and you're basically going to be facing uh, the opportunity to see your cars and your drivers and your pit crews like you've never seen it before. And as Ben mentioned yesterday on the show, there's going to be one designated reporter in pit row for all those teams. So this guy, when he gets done his day, will probably lose 10 or 15 pounds going back and forth. It's one of those things that, um, and somebody on Facebook Live is talking about this speculation. I'm just looking at uh, not so much the speculation as the facts that there are certain aspects you have to consider. And I think anybody that doesn't, it's a foolhardy situation. You have to look at all things in terms of the risk of infection, the player's families, uh, what can and can't happen. You just have to be super cautious. And I know NASCAR is going to do it this weekend. The UFC did it last week, but then the UFC got in trouble because you're sitting here, Dana White did not have any masks on. He's, of course, the president of the UFC. Joe Rogan, the announcer, was supposed to have masks going in the actual octagon to interview the athletes at the end of each fight. He did not have a mask on. So I'm saying, yes, I understand what's going on here. And in the golf situation, if a player has a thermal test exceeding a temperature of 100.4 degrees or any day, he will likely be required to take a coronavirus test right away. Anyone who tests positive for the virus will have to immediately quarantine and will be unable to compete in the tournament. In the event that this occurs after a player makes a 36-hole cut, he will be paid last place money so therein lies the rub for me as i said you could be leading a tournament for two days touch the wrong surface and you get bounced out and you end up with a last place check now let me ask you this give us a call 804-327-0888 how would you feel about that you're leading heading into sunday you've got a four or five shot lead but you touch something uh, from that saturday to sunday last day And all of a sudden, you have that spike in temperature. You're now bounced out of the tournament. You get last place money. You don't think that player in first place is going to be pretty darn upset? I can see this really uh, being bad if it happened that way. And I'm not saying it will, and I certainly hope it won't. Uh, We don't want to uh, be killjoys here. We don't want to get upset before anything happens. I'm just talking about the what-if scenarios, and I certainly hope the what-ifs don't happen. I hope guys get there, everybody gets tested, and it's no fuss, no muss, easy peasy. Everything goes according to plan. Much like some of these uh, states that are opening up now, we're worried 
we're wondering, we're hoping that no spike occurs, that nothing happens, that people are able to return to work that we desperately need to do. And we hope that all the folks out there that own businesses are able to recoup some of their losses and start building things back up and getting the economy back on track. And, of course, sports slowly starting to come back. And, of course, this Texas event is going to be great on the PGA Tour. The Major League Baseball situation, uh, that's fluid right now. They're talking about that coming back. And we're excited about the fact that all of those things are happening, which is really going to help uh, the opportunities in terms of college football and the NFL. Because if we can do some trial runs with NASCAR and baseball and maybe basketball, what about hockey? Hockey's been kind of quiet so far. Of course, my favorite team, the Washington Capitals, look to be uh, one of the teams that could have competed for the Stanley Cup. Uh, will they come back at all? We don't know. Uh, what the hockey side of things, uh, what's going to happen there? That's going to be interesting. But now with this happening on the NASCAR side, maybe the basketball side and the golf side, maybe the door slowly opening for the football side. And so many colleges are hoping for something positive. And everybody's going to be watching these events closely, not only watching from a fan perspective, but watching from a protective aspect. How is it going to work? How are people reacting to it? How are the place uh, of the actual tests and all the things that go into the testing and the methodology every week for these events. If it's successful there, it can be successful elsewhere. So you're going to have to really look at this closely with a microscope to see how did they succeed? How did they fail? What went right? What went wrong? And if everything goes right, they can kind of plug and play and do this in other sports, which is the hope among hopes. But we're wondering you know, how is this going to look? We know no fans this weekend for NASCAR, no fans for golf in the foreseeable future. And now they're talking about that. I believe Governor Whitmer from Michigan talked about Ford Field with the NFL Lions will not have a full stand. Of course, we know that, you know, fans are going to be packed in there, but uh, I don't know if they were packed in there before anyway. So that's uh, a story for another day. But uh, sorry, Lions fans. But anyway, um, there's going to be some. Uh, governors with very stringent situations. Virginia, you know, speaking of that, has been very stringent. Some other places not so stringent. They want to get back to work. So we're hopeful that we hear something positive soon. And this weekend is a big test run for NASCAR. So we certainly hope something is going to happen there positive. Of course, uh, you have the underlying conditions. Folks that are over 60 have underlying conditions and uh, obesity. All these things are factors uh, folks are saying if uh, you know, you're know you in a certain demographic, younger kids, on one hand you hear nothing is happening there, then you hear that some things are happening there. Uh, so you don't know from day to day. You're hearing things and it's a fluid situation. So we wonder uh, exactly what it's going to take to get back in some form. But I think college football and pro football right now, it's going to be something. I can see a lottery system going on where players – and, uh, of course, uh, Herm Edwards said it yesterday, the coach of Arizona State, with 150 members on each side, that's 300 people right there just in football personnel for a college game on each sideline. Then you add some fans in, and you have to just be careful in the spacing and all that. So, But then again, then the next question comes from an economy standpoint, uh, the economy of college sports. How can you survive uh, when you draw in millions and all of a sudden you're drawing in maybe hundreds of thousands in a sport that determines all the other sports? So uh, college football and pro football, make no mistake, on the college side, all of the other universities, games and teams survive because of the ticket sales from college football. That is something that you have to look at and say, 
if the main sport of football isn't successful, the other sports are going to suffer very, very uh, big in so many ways because of the fact that the, the, the tail is college football. The heartbeat is college football. Everything runs off of college football. So you have to remember that going in, everybody holding their breath, hoping that the college football season gets off without a hitch. Now, Bud Foster, our special guest a few weeks back from Virginia Tech, defensive coordinator, said it could be a springtime situation for college football. We certainly hope that's not the fact. We certainly want to see college football start up on time. But the question is, when will it? And so many people like James Franklin, the outstanding coach at Penn State University, said he doesn't want to see teams starting up without other teams starting. It should be all-or-nothing approach, and I agree a 1,000%. I think competitive balance for the rankings, for the bowl games, for all those things, you can't start one without another. It has to be something where everybody does it or nobody does it. And that's the situation there that we're going to keep a close eye on. Of course, the MLB situation, they're discussing things now on that split in terms of the profits, NBA talking about. But this is a good thing now. Everybody's talking about how we can do it. It's just a matter of the devil is in the details. How are we going to get that done? And that's a situation we're keeping a close eye on in terms of that. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert, who really doesn't have a ton of say. I mean, he can give his advice, but he can't really do anything because the governors have the ultimate say. Ultimate say rather, uh, He said they won't mandate or oversee a uniform return to college sports. The NCAA president said yesterday, leaving decisions to start dates to state officials and use university presidents. So it's going to come down. Even the university presidents are going to have to really bow down to the governors and say, what do you think? I can't start uh, at a university president level without a governor saying, yes, I can. So uh, college athletics, as we know, came to a halt in mid-March. And uh, the NCAA tournament was canceled, among other things, and more and more have been canceled. But remember, uh, it's going to be some aspects are going to be different than we've ever seen before. Coming up in November, November 9th, my birthday weekend, it's going to be the Masters. So I'm excited about that, seeing the green jacket uh, being handed out the weekend of November 9th in a situation where it's going to be very cool, could be very cold in Georgia that time of year. But it's going to be uh, beautiful in terms of, uh, they say, uh, C.J. Gex, our special guest last week, talked about the fact that it's still beautiful there in terms of that time of year. And he said uh, everybody's going to enjoy the pageantry of the Masters. It's going to be different, but uh, it might be a lot colder. Here's the thing down in Georgia in the situation of November. You don't know what you're going to get weather-wise. So there's going to be something to keep our eye on with the Masters. And maybe somebody that plays better in cold weather that could pull it out there. We wonder how much of an effect it's going to have. But these golfers usually... Uh, can come back in any type of weather and play well. But that's going to be interesting to see in terms of the Masters and how that's going to play out. But for those of you wanting sports, uh, you saw the UFC this past Saturday, you're going to see uh, a great racing event this weekend. And the thing about it is I heard Jamie Little, who does a lot of the pit reporting for ESPN, say this morning, she's excited because some of these drivers haven't been in a car in 10 or 11 weeks. Uh, She currently works for Fox. Uh, formerly of ESPN, but she basically said these drivers have not been in a car in 10 or 11 weeks. Now think about that. She's excited to see how they're going to react. It could be the survival of the fittest. That would be the uh, kind of the equivalent of if you're a boxer and uh, you haven't fought for several months and you haven't really worked out that much, and then all of a sudden you have to get back in the swing of things, you want to start throwing leather. In this situation, you have to get behind a, a vehicle and turn the wheel and uh, – 
it's an endurance situation. These guys that are drivers are going to have to put themselves through. Uh, and a lot of these guys could get overheated. You have to watch that because they're back in a car. And I'm not saying they're not great athletes because they're in condition. But, you know, testing is one thing. Driving for that long is something else. So it's one of those things where you're going to wonder what exactly, um, you know, who's going to be the fittest, who's going to be in best shape, what car is going to be in best shape, what team is going to be in best shape. So it all comes down and make no mistakes. I've seen the training that goes on for the pit crews. Uh, everybody there works out every single day to get prepared to jump over the wall and change these tires and all the things that happens. These guys aren't sitting home eating Cheetos folks. These guys are working their tails off getting ready for these events and they've got to be in top shape as well because the demands physically for a NASCAR pit crew are unlike very few uh, jobs out there. They have to be in top shape to get over there and, as they say, get a splash of gas and change those tires and do all those things that they do. So it's going to be exciting to see who is going to survive this weekend on the NASCAR side because uh, not only the teams are going to have to be put to the test in their first return in 10 or 11 weeks, but the drivers. And we get to hear probably more than we've ever heard before in the in-car conversations with the pit crews and with their uh, crew chiefs because of the situation that with no fans, uh, you're going to hear a lot more probably than you've ever heard before. That's going to be a very interesting situation. So we're going to follow that. That is NASCAR, and that's this weekend. We can't wait to see that happen. It's another live sporting event. No fans, but still live nonetheless. We're going to come back. we got about a half hour, a little bit more of the Sports King Show. We thank Mike Neville, hour one, and also at the top of that hour, our Super Bowl MVP, Mark Rippin, our special guest on this Wednesday edition. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to The Sports King with Jamie King. Hi, I'm Tim Cosgrove, General Manager at CMA's Colonial Honda. It's no secret that we are in uncharted waters, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid. Because now is an opportunity to do something heroic. We realize that this is the time to organize a blood drive, help our elderly neighbors with groceries, and assist local nonprofits. And that's exactly what CMA's Colonial Honda is doing. In fact, we set up a helpline to assist people in our community in any way that we can. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, you can reach our CMA helpline at 434-220-8885. Again, our CMA helpline is 434-220-8885. And of course, if you're in need of any automotive help, we are taking extra precautions to keep our dealership clean. To learn more, visit cmascolonialhonda.com. We applaud you for helping one another during this time. You have inspired us to do the same. CMA's Colonial Honda, moving lives forward. The Sports King Studio Line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. It is in the hole. We thank you, Ben Madelin, outstanding producer of the Sports King Show and Sports Fun with Big Al, heard here on Sports 106.1 live. L I V E, Big Al. Don't miss him. 8 a.m. to 10. He starts it off in the leadoff. Hitter on the station, Big Al. And then we follow Big Al from 10 to noon. And then it's off to Los Angeles for Jim Rome in the jungle. Ben Maitland has just given me this note that in Darlington this weekend, temperatures over 90 degrees expected. 
And Ben says no practice time for the driver. So uh, interesting there. So, folks, if you're expecting a bunch of guys with home uh, home racing advantage as far as the track, they're not going to have it because only the guys that have been there before from their own knowledge will be able to have an advantage. But practice time zero for the drivers. Ben feels that something is going to be a big deal that you're going to have to watch and keep your eye on is the tire situation at Darlington. He thinks it's going to be a mess in terms of the tires that will be used this weekend. It's Sunday at uh, 3.30, we believe, Eastern time, the 400-miler at Darlington without fans. So watch the tires, Ben says. He thinks that's going to be something to keep your eye on. Of course, Ben Maitland will be standing by. Coors Light will be in the ready as he enjoys his NASCAR return. Now, all he needs is Atlanta Braves, and I think he'll be a happy guy. We are hoping the same. Turning our attention to a former Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller of the Denver Broncos, uh, talking to the Washington Post, said he was shocked when he received a positive test result in mid-April. Two weeks ago, the Denver Broncos past rusher declared he was now coronavirus-free. In that Washington Post interview, Miller detailed his battle against the virus, which included breathing problems for the asthmatic. Uh, he's got asthma, of course, Super Bowl 50 MVP. My lungs were constricting, Miller said. My asthma nebulizer helped, but it just didn't feel like it was supposed to. That was the most frightening part, just going to sleep, knowing that my oxygen level could drop and I could wake up and have to go to the hospital. Miller also experienced a loss of taste and smell, which are uh, things that you have to look out for in this situation. And uh, he had no appetite. His diet suffered. He said the beginning of this was the worst, and the seriousness of the disease weighed on him. Miller said, quote, the first four or five days, I was honestly nervous, end quote. I wouldn't say that I thought I was going to die or anything like that, but it did cross my mind a little bit, end quote. In total, Miller took 17 days off from the off-season training program and is still recovering. He went on to say, I still feel my lungs trying to get back in shape. It's just all the wear and tear that it puts on your lungs. When it comes to football returning, Miller wants the league to err on the side of caution. Everybody, he says, has got to stay masked up. I want to be safe. I want to make sure I can still deliver football to the fans, but I want to do it as safe as possible. I'm not cutting any corners when it comes to that. So I think, folks, when it comes to returning to the NFL, you should talk to players like Von Miller who have been through it in a first-hand basis and talking to them about what they've gone through in a situation where you say, you know, what's your take on this? And Von Miller, above all, is saying, hey, don't mind coming back, but we have to do so safely because I've been there. I've been in the belly of the beast. I know what it's all about. And it's one of those situations where I think if we're not safe, we shouldn't do it at all. And I totally understand a very scary situation for the former NFL Super Bowl MVP, Von Miller of the Denver Broncos. Uh, when you look at some of the players out there, Ricardo Allen being one of them, uh, of the Falcons is talking about the, the idea of returning to uh, practice in a situation that uh, it's uncomfortable right now for him. He said earlier this week, it's nerve wracking. This is something that all of us players and human beings, we've never had to think about before. The NFL has no announced dates for when players can return to facilities. Allen sees reminders of lives lost to COVID-19 as he adheres to his quarantine. He knows the virus can kill anyone, even professional athletes. 
it's a tough uh, thing to look at the news sometime and see all the cases and all the trauma and all the deaths that are going on in the world. We know we're not like immune to it. We know no one is immune to it. That's why Allen stays home. He says most of the teammates have taken the same safety first stance as much as possible. Everybody's still trying to find ways to be creative and still work out. But really, that's all I've seen my teammates do. I haven't seen many people leave the house other than just go to a private workout. Falcons left tackle Jake Matthews' private workouts at his home near Houston have included time spent with his father, Pro Bowl Hall of Famer Bruce Matthews. Jake Matthews said last month his father puts him through some old-school gas for conditioning run workout and it's not easy. Matthews relishes the extra time with his father but misses the team's traditional off-season program. When we were supposed to be showing up and reporting, it just felt weird, Matthews said. It was like I was missing out like everybody else was there, and I wasn't. It really is a weird situation. It does make you kind of reflect a little bit. So you've got guys all over the place trying to work out, trying to stay in shape. And as I said earlier, you have to look at things in terms of what's best for everyone and the overall team concept. You have to give everybody that competitive balance we keep talking about in terms of giving people team A the same opportunity as team B. Now, you've got groups like Arizona that – the governor there says, hey, we're open for business. We're ready to play sports here in Arizona because everything has worked out accordingly for them, but you still have to proceed with caution. Uh, so that's the situation we're going to talk about in a little bit about the Arizona reopening. Uh, turning our attention to baseball, Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. has a solution to stop, of course, Houston Astros among them, uh, sign stealing. He says you need to throw inside at batters. Hall of Famer and icon Cal Ripken said basically it comes from the old school book of unwritten baseball rules. In a really harsh way, Ripken said you tell the catcher to put down a curveball sign. The guy on second tells the hitter that a curveball is coming. And then you throw a pitch right here and he gestures to his chin. He told NBC's Major Garrett in a recent The Takeout podcast. Then their life flashes in front of their eyes, Ripken said, and I will tell you, Break the trust between that sign-stealing scheme that's going on, and if you're a hitter and that guy gives you the next sign, you got to say, hmm, I wonder if that's really going to be a fastball or breaking ball, and I think you will win. Uh, both the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox were punished earlier this spring by MLB Commissioner Rob Manford for their involvement in the sign-stealing scandal. Earlier this spring, Astros manager Dusty Baker urged MLB to protect his players from potential retaliation and to discipline opponents who hit the Houston Astros players. I'm depending on the league to try to put a stop to this seemingly premeditated retaliation that I'm hearing about, Baker said. And in most instances in life, you get kind of reprimanded when you have premeditated anything. I'm just hoping that the league puts a stop to it before somebody gets hurt. You know, it's interesting, Dusty Baker, who had nothing to do with the Houston Astros uh, sign-stealing scheme, wanting to defend his players. I'm all about that. And the pandemic, uh, the fact that it's been so long, I guess many Astros players are hopeful that people feel out of sight, out of mind, where people won't won't think about this. But let me tell you something. Baseball fans have very long memories. When they do return, and the fans do return, the Houston Asterisks, as I call them, because I feel they cheated baseball in such a profound way that they're going to have to pay a price. Now, I don't want anybody getting hurt, but I can promise you I can see Many fans bringing trash cans and banging trash cans and calling them cheaters and the whole nine yards there. So the asterisks, as I call them, are going to have to face the wrath of the fans for the foreseeable future. It's just part of the deal. And anything they win from here on out, people are going to look at with a uh, kind of side-eye look, like what are these guys doing? How are they winning? 
Uh, if you go back and look at the home run that Jose Altuve hit against the Aroldis Chapman, of course, when he came around the third base side, he held his jersey close together, and he asked the players not to rip his jersey off, as it was the case in most uh, times when you hit a game-winning home run. They'll do something crazy like rip your jersey off or throw water on you or whatever. But you see as he rounds third base, he grabs a collar of his shirt and pulls it together, basically saying, don't do this. And then he came up with the excuse that his wife didn't want his jersey to be ripped off because it wasn't a classy look. No, that sounds good. The bottom line is some people say he had a device underneath on his shoulder that was a device that had his jersey been ripped off. It would have exposed him as a cheater. So he had to deal with that. So. It's very interesting to see a player hitting a, such a colossal home run in a key situation, and the first thing he does is worry about keeping his jersey on. Uh, I think that would be the last thing any of us would do. If you hit a home run like that, you don't care what happens to you. When you get to home plate, you're not thinking like that. So the fact that he's holding his jersey together at the collar led me to believe that something was amiss, and I really feel like there was a situation there going on that we didn't know the full details about, but uh, the Astros are going to take a beating in the land of public uh, scrutiny. You know that's going to happen. So a situation that we're going to keep our eye on as Major League Baseball talks about a possible return. What's your take on this? 804-327-0888. 804-327-0888 is the number. And if you tuned in in hour one, Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippon in a brief interview here on the Sports King Show Talked about uh, the fact that he's played against both Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. He has high regard for both. He has told me privately, as he did on the show, that he feels the Redskins have the right leadership now, the right accountability now, and that they will be in position to make a move going forward. As he said, the sad part is with the Redskins not nearly 30 years removed from their last Super Bowl that we were a part of. I was there. Mark was there. Such a great time. Nobody could ever have told me after leaving the Metrodome that day and coming home that we would be this long without being a factor in the National Football League. I mean, that's 30 years of apathy, 30 years of nothingness, 30 years where you shake your head and say, how could a franchise that was dominant in the 80s and parts of the 90s be so removed from being a factor. You have to wonder that. What's your take? 804-327-0888 is the number. Do you think the Skins have it right with Ron Rivera? Do you think the Skins have it right with Dwayne Haskins Jr.? Now, Mark has told me, and he told you on the interview, that, hey, Haskins believes he can do it. It's uh, going to remain to be seen if he can do it. And my fear with Haskins is this. If, in fact, Kyle Allen, who was brought over, by the Panthers, and, of course, knows the offense intimately, if he's able to leapfrog Haskins Jr. and take this job, we may never hear from Haskins Jr. again. This could be one of those things that puts his career way, way, way down to where he kind of gets bounced around and you never see or hear from him again. Now, conversely, if Haskins, who many say in the building, and they're going to say this publicly, you know, he's a high-round pick, he's the guy, he's going to get the first shot at it, but I just don't buy this. I don't adhere to it. I think Ron Rivera needs to say it's an open competition. Yes, Dwayne, you're the higher pick. You're, we have a lot invested in you. But if you don't win this job, if you don't go out and handily beat Kyle Allen, if he outperforms you, you're going to be on the bench. Kyle Allen will be our starter. Then I look at Cam Newton. Okay, guys, 
if you look around the NFL Network, you look around all the top sports channels, you're not hearing a lot of Cam Newton talk. It's very tampered down now, which leads me to believe there's something underneath the surface that we don't know about. So you wonder if Ron Rivera is saying, if I can get this guy at a good price, get him in here, we've got a three-pronged attack at quarterback, and then the Redskins have a different look and a different opportunity with a healthy Cam Newton. I just can't see him going anywhere and saying, I demand to be a starter or I'm not going to sign with you. Nobody's going to give him that assurance right now. I just think when you look at every team out there and all of the teams at every quarterback position, a place like Washington would give him an opportunity to compete against these two guys. Now, if Cam Newton gets into a preseason game here in Washington and lights up the scoreboard and really moves the team and says, hey, I'm back, I'm the guy, you know, the fans will see it, the coaching staff will see it, and they're going to go with a hot hand. You have to go with a guy that you can win with. So you wonder right now if you can get the price you want for Cam Newton, and if you can't, you move on and you do your thing and you stick with what you have. But with 30 years of really the cupboard being bare in terms of championships, you have to do something now. I, for one, am absolutely disgusted with the delay. I don't want to wait another day. I'm tired of just being middling or average or below average. Last year was an abomination, and we had Jay Gruden, who absolutely was horrific as a coach. Let's paint it as it is. Tell it like it is. Uh, the guy who had his hand on his face, he looked like he lost his best friend half the time, looked so overmatched, he didn't have any kind of halftime adjustments, nothing ever worked. And, of course, uh, the only thing that was good was when Alex Smith was there. And I'll give him credit. During that little run, he was 6-3, and three, and he had a good quarterback, and things were looking up. He goes down, and you have to coach these guys up and get somebody in there to start winning. Nothing happened. It was no adjustment made to try to make this team better and try to make it competitive. And then on top of that, you've got a defensive coordinator, Greg Minuski, giving up five and 600 yards a game, which was absolutely horrific. He should have been fired at halftime in some of these games. I kept wondering, what is the defensive philosophy where you're not pressuring anybody, you're not uh, staying in your lanes, you're not tackling people? It's just absolutely bad. And his schemes were horrible, week in, week out. Uh, you can't give up five and 600 yards of offense every week and expect to win at the NFL level. So that's the situation there. Minuski was a very solid player and overachiever as a player, but horrific as a defensive coordinator. And I just think his time is done in the NFL. Uh, we saw that, and it was not good. Meanwhile, Jay Gruden goes down to Jacksonville. Now, for you Jaguar fans, good luck with that. And we'll see how that works out for you. Once again, I just don't see Jay Gruden lifting any offense up. He didn't do it here in D.C., I don't think you sprinkle fairy dust down in Jacksonville and all of a sudden he becomes a top offensive coordinator. I think he's there because of his last name, and that's it. That's my take. We're going to take a timeout, come back with the final 14 or so minutes of the Sports King Show on this Wednesday edition. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joe Beninati. You're listening to the Sports King, Jamie King on Sports 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. 
Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Here we go. Final 10 minutes on this Wednesday Hump Day edition of the Sports King Show, Sports 1061 Facebook Live. We thank you for joining us wherever you're at and hope you're having a great day. One day closer, hopefully, to normalcy. Hopefully, to sports. We need sports back. The great escape sports, the great escape. We miss it so, so much. We did find out pro sports in Arizona has been shut down, but a big hurdle was cleared yesterday when Governor Doug Ducey cleared the way for professional leagues to resume operations in the state after May 15th. He said we had discussions with leaders of some of the leagues, and they all know they are welcome to operate, play, and perform in the state of Arizona Ducey said, adding that it would be a limited reopening without fans in attendance and with the understanding that teams would follow all public health protection protocols and Center for Disease Control and Protection Guidelines. Reaction from the pro sports teams in the Valley of the Sun was swift. Uh, Many people said, I was pleased to hear the governor's comments on the state's willingness to allow sporting events in a controlled environment. This is from Arizona Diamondbacks President Derek Hall. We have been in constant communication, and he's consistently shown cooperation and support to us and the overall league leadership. Both he and I have made it clear we are more than willing to be a part of the solution if there is a need for us to host more team or games. So Arizona, open for business. And as I said, maybe, maybe, we take all the baseball teams and they have those parks in Arizona and just rotate them, have some cameras and film each game and give us something there and have all the staff protected. You'll have plenty of uh, medical personnel on site to make sure all the guidelines are being followed. But Arizona seems to me, if I was running it, to say all the teams start there and just play in different venues and they have all those beautiful parks right there and go from park to park to park to park to get as much baseball in as possible. A proposed 82-game schedule is what we're looking at in terms of that. So that's something. What do you think about Arizona as a landing spot? I think it's a situation where you have to take a hard look at. And with Arizona, their spike going way down, they feel like they can do it and do it safely. And it's a situation we're monitoring. But I think Arizona may be the place where all the teams kind of go to, get in that bubble of the – uh, complex where they play the games and just keep rotating. You have all your cameras there, but take the trucks out there and film the games and it will give us something without fans, but it'll give us baseball back And Arizona seems to me to be the one place that we should look to, to start things off in terms of major league baseball and a safe return. That would be my take on that major league baseball. And it would be in Arizona. Uh, You want to look at uh, some other news breaking. Former NBA uh, player Shannon Brown faces charges in suburban Atlanta. Of course, he was with the Lakers after he was accused of firing a rifle at two people who were looking at homes for sale. Uh, I can't make this stuff up, folks. Brown, 34, was arrested on a charge of aggravated assault stemming from an incident May 2nd in his home in Tyrone, Georgia. He is free after he posted bond on Monday. The former Laker guard, two-time NBA champion, told police he thought the couple was trying to break into his home. 
And so he fired at them. The couple told police they were in the area looking for homes and noticed a for sale sign in front of Brown's home. They told investigators the front door was open. They entered after yelling out their intentions to tour the home. They stated they heard a voice acknowledge them. And once inside, at some point, Mr. Brown came from upstairs with a rifle and detained them. Shortly thereafter, he let them go and they stated he fired his rifle towards them as they were leaving. No one was injured, Nelson said. Investigators who responded found one empty shell casing at the scene. Brown's home in Fayette County is listed for sale. Brown, who shares a daughter with ex-wife R&B singer Monica, played for several other NBA teams, currently plays in Ice Cube's Big Three League, which features three-on-three teams. So I don't know if you want to buy a home, if that might be the place to go with the rifle and all that. That just doesn't sound uh, very welcoming to me. It's just me, but uh, unbelievable. Shannon Brown firing a rifle. Uh, having a for sale sign at his house and then firing a rifle indiscriminately uh, in the air, evidently, but upsetting some folks there. So uh, very bizarre. Uh, Tom Woods talks about uh, Jay Gruden being a decent offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I mean, he had some moments there with the red rifle, but once again, uh, what did it get him? Uh, Marvin Lewis, of course, the coach in Cincinnati, never winning a playoff game. Um He's a guy that uh, may win some games, may do okay in certain situations, but Gruden, uh, nobody can sell me on his offensive genius because we saw that on display in Washington. So uh, in a buy-sell situation, I'm not buying Jay Gruden. I wouldn't hire him at a high school level. I mean, the guy did okay in the arena league, I guess, but just not a guy that I want in charge of an NFL franchise offense. I just don't think he has what it takes. Now, his brother, a different story. Uh, but I just don't think Jay Gruden's a guy that uh, he's there for name only. I just don't think he's doing anything to where people in Jacksonville can say, hey, Jay Gruden's coming. Now we can look at the playoffs and Super Bowl opportunities. Uh, Not that guy. Just don't see it happening there. Uh, We did mention earlier this week, and guess what? It might just happen. Mike Tyson, folks, I saw some of this boxing that he's doing in his spare time now with the coronavirus they're talking about him coming back maybe in some charity type events. And at age 53, the video of his recent boxing, boxing workout, and if you're a fan of Iron Mike, uh, less than 24 hours, over 6.5 million views of his workout. So don't tell me people aren't interested in Iron Mike. Uh, they still think the guy can punch. And if you saw the video of him working out, and I implore you, go to his uh, Twitter page or his Facebook page as well, and you can look at some of this He has the punching power. He looks as ferocious as ever, and he's hitting with speed and power. And you may say, well, you know, he's uh, 53. I just don't know if he would be able to uh, come back. And uh, it's one of those things that says, hey, could he do it at age 53? I'm telling you this right now. George Foreman did it at an advanced age, not so much uh, in terms of that age. But Mike Tyson, I will say this, in 53 – I'm rooting for the old guy here. I'm telling you what, if you see what I saw in his workout, if you got in there with him, mixed it up, and you missed, and he hits you flush, uh, it's good night, Irene. I'm telling you right now, Mike Tyson still has the power. You just wonder about the legs, how long he could last in a ring against some of these top heavyweights today. But, hey, as they say, you give him a a puncher's chance, and Mike Tyson, you can never go against him in terms of the power that he has. Um, Mike Tyson said it looks like he can still – do it. He felt like he still can. So it's not that crazy. And when you have 6.5 million people looking at his page and watching him and everything with interest, they're saying to themselves, Hey, this guy can still do it. Maybe he's still marketable. Maybe I would still pay to see Mike Tyson play. Uh, 
his sport, which is boxing. And, of course, get in there and mix it up. We'd love to see that possibly. So keep that in the back of your mind. Stranger things have happened. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Sports King. I want to thank Mike Neville, our one guest, also our one guest, Super Bowl MVP Mark Rippon from Spokane, Washington, joining us just before he heads to the links today. And if you're in Central Virginia, you look out there, the sun is out. It's going to be beautiful the next few days. And it's kind of bizarre. You look out there and you're like, man, is there something actually going on? Because the outside world looks so beautiful. The only thing is you just can't do certain things that we're used to doing. But hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll get back to some normalcy here. Sports world is really working behind the scenes, trying to get back. Baseball is. NASCAR is this weekend. Football is working. Basketball, possibly, maybe hockey. We haven't heard much on the hockey front, but we hope all these sports get back sooner rather than later. Before we close it out, we remind you folks, if you can, contact the Red Cross and short supply of blood, and there's blood mobiles all over. Please contact them if you can safely get out and donate blood. Please do so. Of course, Richmond, feedrichmond.org. Go to that website. $1 provides four meals for people in need. So $1 only if you can pitch in a dollar, do a dollar, do five, do ten, do whatever you can. But remember, your dollars go to feed folks that are your neighbors and your friends and families out there. So it's very important. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Sports King for Ben Maitland. I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. We'll be back tomorrow and check Facebook out. We're going to let you know of our guests coming up as well. For Ben, I'm Jamie. Have a great day and be kind to one another. We'll see you tomorrow for the Thursday edition of the Sports King.